Welcome to Black Sparrow Radio, KBSR, transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas. You are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Hi there, plant people. Thank you for joining me again here at the Plow and Hose Studio here in my backyard in Taylor, Texas. We are at the dead end of October and it's Halloween, so happy Halloween. This time of year, I always have a hard time getting adjusted. Um, Just really trying to get used to the shorter um, days. I find it really, really annoying um, because I really like a long, sunny day. And it's just way too dark in the morning to get my gardening and outdoor chores done. And now that school is back in session, my kids are doing all their after-school activities and whatnot. It's just way too busy after work to try to get in um, any time in the garden before it gets too dark. And I just... I just really miss my quiet summer mornings in my yard, but the upside is is that it is much cooler and it makes it just much more pleasant to work in the yard when I do get a chance. Around my yard, in my garden, I still have peppers blooming and putting out lots of peppers. Actually, I've got lots and lots of peppers i've got tons of shishito peppers they're just all over the place and i've been giving them away to um anybody that will take them everyone is actually really really nice about taking them um but i i really don't believe that they're chopping them up and adding them to omelets or whatever they say they plan on using them for but that's okay i'll pretend they aren't going to waste Luckily, I can let the peppers go a few days without um, tending to them. I don't have to check them every day. Unlike the okra, which I missed a few days of picking pods a couple of weeks ago. And now I have nothing but hard, giant, and completely inedible okra pods. The plants are still blooming and they're still producing, um, but they are so heavy with okra that they are just leaning over and there are so many big ass okra pods that the branches are starting to droop over the sides of the beds, just hanging down and they look like these big green scary claws just like waiting to like reach out and scratch you or something and I noticed my little boy um he he was out in the yard the other day and he made like this big wide berth um around them as he passed them so he might um maybe he was thinking that they were a little scary looking too other things around my yard um like I don't know maybe it's just a coincidence because you know it's Halloween and stuff but things are a little creepy, I guess. Um, I've been noticing a lot of different kinds of creatures around. Um, lots of toads, um, these, these big moths, and lots and lots of spiders. And they are all over the place. 
Um, and now that it's a little bit cooler, these creatures are all out. And they always seem to be where I'm not expecting them to be. Especially those um, spider webs. I, I, I tend to run into them and... I don't know. They get wrapped around my hair or whatever. But... Um, the toads, I've noticed, there are lots of toads, and they also like to hop out and startle me, but I don't mind them. They're okay because toads are really, really great to have around the garden because they gobble up lots and lots of insects, and they will pretty much eat whatever fits in their mouth. The bigger the toad, the bigger the bugs they can eat, and it's really great, too, because it's also cricket season. And we've had tons of those dark brown field crickets all over the place. So the toads are likely coming out to fill up on crickets. Here in Central Texas, we're really lucky. We get two seasons of crickets in the spring and in the fall. And usually we get more crickets in the fall, but it really depends on the weather and how many crickets um, we will get. Some years are worse than others. The drier, the spring and the summer, the more crickets we tend to get. This year, we didn't seem to have as many, and um, I'm thinking that's mainly due to the hard freeze back in February. And we also did have an unusually wet um, summer. May and, and June were quite rainy. It was just too wet for um, some of the eggs to hatch. Um, the eggs and the baby cricket nymphs are susceptible to fungal diseases and of course molds and fungus uh, really tend to like moist conditions there seems to be plenty of crickets around so um, i don't think i have to worry about the toads starving um, i'm pretty sure that they can find other insects to eat too so I'm not worried about those guys my patio out here is made of bricks and it's pretty old um, I guess it was put in during the 70s. Uh, um, I'm from the 70s, so I guess that makes me pretty old too, but um, whatever. I'm, um, I'm not really sure how old the patio is, but it's old enough to have some cracks in the mortar. And there's one crack that is pretty big, and there's a pretty good section where the bricks have pulled away and some of the mortar is missing. And right where that big crack is, we have a cute little family of toads that live there. And I'm used to seeing toads on the patio. They have, there have been toads in the cracks for years now. Um, and they like to come out at night when it's cooler. So I'm used to seeing them here on the patio. But I've been catching little toads that have been getting in my rabbit enclosure, which is in the exact opposite corner of the backyard. I think they have been squeezing under the door, and once they get in, they can't figure out how to get out. And I've probably caught three or four of them um, in there um, just this month. It seems a little unusual and kind of weird for them to be out there. I mean, it is nice and shady over there but it's not particularly moist so i don't know maybe it's like a nature thing and maybe toads really like rabbits i don't know um traditionally uh, toads are symbols of abundance and fertility so i am really hopeful that this means that we will have a great planting season and have lots 
of wonderful things to harvest from our winter gardens this year. Because if it means people fertility, then all these toads got to hit the road and go find somewhere else to live because I am good in that department. I've got enough kids and I'm way too old to have another one, but I'm also way too young for a grandbaby. So I am good. I don't need any more. So bring on an abundant harvest. I will rehome any excess broccoli or spinach or lettuce that we get. It's it's not hard to find new homes for produce. Aside from seeing lots of toads, I've been seeing lots and lots of monarch butterflies too. The monarchs are migrating south to Mexico right now and they are passing through our part of central Texas and I love seeing them stop at my house to sip some nectar from our Greg's Mist Flower. I usually see um, more queen butterflies hanging out around my Greg's Mist Flower. Um, Man, this plant is just crazy it is a butterfly and pollinator magnet uh, and butterflies just love them queen butterflies are often mistaken for uh, monarchs they look very very similar both are orange and black with a few white spots monarchs have a more distinct black um, marking to them monarchs are also more vibrantly orange and they have um, thick black veining on their wings. Queen butterflies, on the other hand, um, they have a thick black outline around their wings, but they also have um, a much more delicate veining pattern. Um, their color, they, they aren't as vibrant either. They're more rusty or kind of a brownish orange rather than that, that really pretty bright, vibrant orange. If you want tons and tons of butterflies, then you gotta get a Greg's Miss Flower. You know, on first glance, it really isn't that much to look at. It has like yellowish green leaves or, I don't know, maybe kind of apple green or lime green. They have serrated leaves and kind of forms a mound that gets maybe like two to like three or four feet wide and then like two feet tall. And when it starts blooming, you may not even really notice that it's in bloom. The flowers are kind of weird looking too. They're light purpley, periwinkle blue. It's a pretty color. The um, and each flower ends up only being about the size of a pencil eraser, but they're flat and kind of spiky looking. They don't have a center eye, you know, like a daisy where the petals go all the way around. They just have these like fuzzy little um, petals. They're needle thin and they stick up all over the place. And since um, the flowers actually grow in clusters, they look all poofy and kind of remind me of like Muppet hair. The flowers are interesting on the Greg's Miss Flower, but they aren't, they, they aren't very showy at all. They're kind of weedy looking. Um, like I said, the blue is a pretty color, but it, it's not all that exciting, um, at least not to me. But who really cares what I think? Because it's all about the pollinators, wasps and bees and butterflies and birds. Speaking of birds, now that it's pretty much November um, and we've got less light and these cooler temperatures, there aren't as many hummingbirds around the yard. Um, you yeah, might notice one uh, once a week or so. Hummingbirds um, are migrating farther south where they will spend the winter. Um, there's always a few that um, hang out year-round, um, but 
they're, they're pretty much passing through our part of central Texas, and there's definitely not near as many as I saw last month. So I was kind of excited when I saw one buzzing around the garden. I, um, I did notice that it was kind of flying a little differently, not quite as quick or as swift and precise. I didn't really think a whole lot about it um, because you know, migration, it, that seems like a whole lot of work. So I thought maybe it was tired or something. I was outside to turn off the water hose, so I went ahead and did that um, before I forgot, but when I came back, I was noticing that bumbling, kind of gray little hummingbird was still looking for some nectar flowers, and as I got closer, I realized it wasn't actually a hummingbird, but a really large moth. I've honestly never seen such a big gray moth. I've seen those large, um, pretty green luna moths um, like once or twice when we lived somewhere else, um, but not a gray one like this one. It had to be like at least three inches across with a fat stubby body. I thought it was weird. It, it was really weird because it was the middle of the day and most moths are nocturnal. And for the most part, I never really notice moths unless they're in the house or somewhere else that I don't want them to be. But moths are really cool. Moths are actually really, really important pollinators. And they're so undervalued and underappreciated. They might actually be better and more efficient pollinators than bees since they have a totally different body shape and can be much, much larger than honeybees. When moths visit flowers for their nectar, they're able to pick up more pollen on their bodies and then also their wings. They get more pollen on them than other creatures when they land on the flowers. And all that extra pollen on them increases the chance that another flower will get pollinated when it goes to visit it. Um, luckily, I had my phone with me when I saw this uh, big gray moth and I was able to get a picture of it when it landed on the ground. And, of course, being curious, I just had to go and try to figure out what it was. Um, I love Google. Um, I'm not always that great at finding uh, internet information right away, but I lucked out. And I found out that my supersized moth was a sphinx moth. Now, sphinx moths are also called hawk moths. Um, and there are a whole bunch of these big old moths um, that are in this family. There's so many different variations and different patterns and color combinations. Um, but I, I think I narrowed it down to a pipe sphinx moth or maybe a white-lined sphinx moth. Both are dark gray moths with white lines that kind of crisscross on their wings. I'm absolutely not a moth expert. Um, just interested and I'm curious about them. And like I said earlier, um, moths go unnoticed and they're um, much more active at night. But these big hawk and sphinx moths are shy, um, but they're hard to miss if you do get a chance to see them. You are listening to Plow and Hose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you are enjoying my show, I hope you'll go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out the station and learn about all the other 
great shows and music all coming out of our station broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. Also, be sure to head over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your um, podcasts and subscribe to the Plan Host Podcast. If you like the flexibility of being able to play, pause, and rewind my show whenever you want, download some episodes and be sure to leave a review. This will help others find the show and downloading the Plow and Host podcast um, helps provide me with some statistics. Okay, let's get back to talking about moths. I'm really enjoying that. Um, all moths and their more flamboyant and more respectable cousins, butterflies, they all start out as eggs and then grow into caterpillars. The larger the caterpillar, the larger the moth. There are so many different kinds of hawk moths or sphinx moths but the one that we are um, likely to be the most familiar with in caterpillar form is the five-spotted hawk moth it's also known as a tomato hornworm these are those big fat pinky sized neon green caterpillars that will devour a tomato plant practically overnight if you've ever grown tomatoes, you are likely already familiar with tomato worms. All those tomato hornworms have got to go. If you plan on having any tomato plants, you got to get rid of them. Luckily, that's really easy to do. You just plug them off your plants. You can squish them. You can drop them into a cup of soapy water and kill them. You can also spray your tomato plants with BT. Um, that's Bacillus thuringiensis. It's pretty easy to find at um, at the store nowadays. Um, it's totally appropriate for organic gardening, and it's going to kill all the caterpillars in your garden. Now, the problem with BT is that it's just a little tiny bacteria. It doesn't know the difference between caterpillars and it kills them all. The bigger the caterpillar, the more often you're gonna need to apply BT. Honestly, I just find it easier just to check on my plants a lot more often and then hand um, pick off the caterpillars. And those big fat um, hornworm, tomato hornworms, they're gonna decimate your tomato plants, so be sure to get those. Now, not all of the big fat green caterpillars are tomato hornworms. If they're eating up your tomato plants, they probably are, and you'll wanna get rid of them. But if you want to encourage um, pollinating and beneficial moths, you're gonna to wanna to take some time to learn about how to attract them. I think those big sphinx and hawk moths are pretty cool. A lot of them are fast flyers and they can hover in place and that's why they're mistaken for hummingbirds sometimes. And a few of, of these species actually can fly backwards for a little bit. Honestly, I always feel um, kind of special or lucky when I see one of these, especially during the day. Hawk moths are active at night and they are attracted to pale and white colored flowers. So if you want to attract hawk moths to your yard, you might consider planting a moonlight garden. In the summertime here in Central Texas, the weather can just be miserable during the day, um, just downright awful. So a moonlight garden could be really cool. Um, 
and you can attract those shy and weird moths and also spend time admiring your garden when the temperatures are more reasonable. Um, a moonlight garden is just um, you know, pale and light colored um, plants that tend to bloom at night and um, being light they kind of um, seem to reflect the moonlight so it's just kind of a, a cool little planting scheme that you can have. Moths have an incredible sense of smell and they're very attracted to fragrant flowers um, and a lot of the the light colored um, really fragrant flowers only bloom at, at night like night blooming cirrus, moonflower, datura, yucca, four o'clocks, flowering tobacco, confederate jasmine, they all all these are great plants and they do really well in our climate so maybe consider putting in a moon garden a moonlight garden for our nighttime pollinators and fall is a really great time to start new gardening projects and planting all kinds of plants so here we are it's halloween and we have had a few cold fronts roll through a lot of times it's cool and a bit chilly in the mornings and overnight but then really really warm during the day it's crazy to me um, but those cooler temperatures mean that we need to start planning and thinking about how to protect our plants and vegetables if you planted a fall garden a few months ago and you have some cold tender plants like tomatoes and peppers summer squash beans and they're still producing You'll just want to be ready to protect your veggies in case the temperature drops a little more than expected. So start paying attention to the weather uh, forecast. And when things start uh, getting where they say maybe like 45 degrees, start being mindful of the more cold tender plants. That really isn't too chilly and it won't kill your plants. But when the temperature drops under 50 degrees, it's definitely going to cause some problems for the cold sensitive plants. Just like hot weather causes issues, cooler weather also causes temperature stress. And you can prevent uh, damage to your plants um, from the cold by just covering your plants with floating row covers or like a blanket or a sheet at night. This is gonna help trap heat rising up from the ground. This just little bit of insulation will help your plants, um, will help keep your plants a few degrees warmer and protect them from the cold. Row covers and blankets are also going to help protect your plants from the wind. We had this crazy wind this past week. Um, gusts of wind um, can get really strong and actually damage your plants. But it's the cold, dry air blowing that can dehydrate the leaves and the fruits and stems. Here in Taylor and all over Central Texas, our fall and autumn weather can just be really weird. Especially now late october early november some years halloween feels like shorts and t-shirts weather um, and if you aren't careful you'll get a sunburn other years we get a cold front and halloween is just downright cold when temperatures get um, 50 degrees or so that's when we need to bring in any tropical plants that have been outside otherwise they're going to start having problems house plants that spent the summers outdoors need to be brought in this time of year so but before you drag them inside be sure to look them look them over and shake them off really well 
so you don't unintentionally bring in little critters inside your house. I noticed a cute little green animal lizard on my uh, Boston fern uh, just yesterday. And I definitely don't want to bring him inside. Um, nothing against these little lizards. Um, they're so cute. Um, but I wouldn't, uh, he would not stand a chance in, in my house because my indoor cats would um, get him. So just check your plants before bringing them inside. I follow a few Central Texas uh, gardening pages, and I noticed um, they're starting to have a lot of questions about when to pick the last tomatoes. Ideally, you want your to leave your tomatoes ripening on the vine and just leave them there for as long as you can. But when the temperature starts to drop into the 50s, you either want to pick them while they are green or cover them in the evening and then uncover them during the day. So check those um, forecasts um, daily and see how uh, things go day to day. Temperatures this time of year just vary so greatly so have a plan and get things ready so if you need to cover uh, your cold sensitive plants you'll be ready if you decide to go ahead and pick your tomatoes while they're green you can um, always try to let them ripen inside if they have any sort of blush to them um, they may continue to ripen but if they are hard and really firm um, you can pick them, um, but just know that they may not ripen, but that's okay because you can make all kinds of recipes with your green tomatoes, like green tomato salsa, tomato pie, or you could even like pickle them or fry them. Go ahead, harvest them if you, um, if you can't wait, just go ahead. Even if a cold front comes through and takes a toll on our tender vegetable plants like tomatoes and peppers. The rest of our um, vegetable plants, our winter, um, winter garden plants, they're not even gonna be phased by a dip in the temperature. Our cool season veggies are just gonna be fine, um, even if they are little baby plants. Broccoli, kale, spinach, beets, lettuce, cabbage, radishes, kohlrabi, Brussels sprouts, onions, garlic, all of these still can be planted. So if you've been putting off your garden, and, um, just get in gear, get those plants and the seeds in the ground. If you want to have spring wildflowers, those seeds need to be planted before Thanksgiving. If you haven't gotten your blue bonnet seeds ordered, do that as soon as you can. You need to get them in. If you're um, interested in um, wildflowers, be sure to check out the Plow and Hose podcast from September 26. It's episode number 38. Thank you all for listening today. That's all I got for y'all. I hope you have a terrific and spooky, fun Halloween, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you.
production assistance provided by KBSR, Black Sparrow Radio. Original music created by Alex Cuervo. Discover more of his music at alexcuervo.tv. If you love plants and gardening in Central Texas, be sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and never miss seasonal information on Plow and Hose. Plow and Hose is written and recorded at my home in Taylor, Texas.